Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. SecondCityHockey.com Jonathan Taze. Commit to us. Commit to the jersey. Commit to our people here. Monday morning deep dish. My name is Shepard Price, and with me today, as always, are uh, LBR. Hi. And Janelle. Hi. Uh, today, we're going to discuss the Blackhawks season in full now that it is in full and concluded. Um, so, with that said, L- uh, Janelle, take it away. So, yeah, as LBR said, uh, this the nickname for this podcast is going to be the intervention session. <laughs> so, I am very much looking forward to um, our discussion. Uh, today. <laughs> um, so we're going to start out with the, the big question first. How did the Blackhawks do this season? Uh, LBR, if you want to go first. The reason I was calling it the intervention season or the intervention podcast was I was like, welcome to our group chat. Do you think <laughs> the Blackhawks were actually statistically good this season? We're going to debase you of that right now. <laughs> because the answer is no, they were very bad. <laughs> Um, it's, it's pretty hard. Like, I don't think the Blackhawks, the Blackhawks have been hovering around the lower end of like high level stats for the last couple of years, but they kind of hit rock bottom this year. They were the worst, um, expected goals share team in the league and one of the worst defensively. And that's not something you want to see as you're trying to progress forward. And I get that this season had a lot of young and inexperienced players, but that's that as a result stat is not great. And the reason it was like that is because they couldn't exit the zone. They were one of the worst um, zone exit teams in the league. They couldn't prevent other teams from getting into the zone. They were one of the worst there too. 
they weren't good at puck recovery. They weren't very good off the cycle. Um, they wasted a lot of offense when they did get off the rush, which they got into the zone pretty well, but they couldn't, you know, nothing meaningful happened there. So you, what's that, what's that gift? It's like, not great, Bob. <laughs> That's yeah. like the summation of the Blackhawks season. And the most disappointing thing to me was that it got worse as the season went on, not better. You like after the first like 10 games, they were hovering around like 20, you know, in like a bunch of ranks. And it was like, well, if they could just get up to 15, you know, in the league, even if they don't make the playoffs, I would be okay with that. Cause they showed progression, but instead they, they sunk like a, like a rock a little bit too much. So what do you think Shepard? Do you agree or disagree? <laughs> uh, let me start by reading the names of the quadrants. Uh, Corey Snyder put the Blackhawks in, um, in, in his, in his, uh, an analysis, uh, here <clears throat> one and done offense, wasted offense, no passes. None of those sound particularly good. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to add this, uh, the Blackhawks. So playing seven teams meant that they had like seven teams to be ranked amongst against those teams. They did worse when they were better against teams. They did worse. Like Mm. they had, they were like the fifth best team against Nashville and Tampa Bay this season. They were a combined two 11 and three against those teams. They were the worst team in the league against the Columbus Blue Jackets or or the division against the Columbus Blue Jackets. They were six, two and zero against the Columbus Blue Jackets. How does that happen? I have no idea. Um, But that's sort of the pattern that emerges from looking at the Blackhawks stats this season. Um, And yeah, they were 31st in shot in shot share. They were 31st in expected goal share. They were 31st in high danger share. Um, They flat out were the worst defense in the league. Um, Not one of the worst. Um, uh, This is, it's bad. This season was bad. Do you think um, that they finished where they likely should have, or, you know, is this kind of par for the course? Uh, well, if you look at the other teams that had stats that were kind of as bad, because obviously the end result stats were the, were the worst, right? The Blackhawks were the worst. Um, if you gave them like uh, Philadelphia, uh, the Flyers save percentage, Ottawa save percentage, any of that, like for the whole season versus just the end, you know, because obviously Lincoln in kind of fell off a cliff at the end, but that sustained them for the first part of the season. And if they had gotten poor, if they had gotten poor goaltending the entire time, they could have finished worse than Buffalo. Like that's how hmm. not good they were and how much goaltending was carrying them. Now the power play at the beginning also could have kept them from hitting like the very worst, the very, very bottom. But honestly, they should have probably finished closer to where, New Jersey finished. If you want to know the truth, it's they got like an extra 10 points just because of goaltending. Yeah. The Blue Jackets are a better team than the Blackhawks. They finished behind them. Um, and that's because the Blackhawks had the 17th bank best PDO at five one five and the best and the, the 16th best PDO, which is just a flat one uh, at ball strengths. They got lucky. Yeah. Like if you look at Montreal, Montreal is a good possession for uh, shot quality and shot um, quantity. And they had one of the worst, I think like the second or third worst overall save percentage. And they're, they got four extra points just because they were that good a team. If you swapped our 
goaltending, Montreal would probably be like one or two in their division and the Blackhawks would be below, would be below Buffalo. It would have been a hit probably maybe even a historically low season. Like it was that not good overall. Yeah. Again, again, they're just, they're 31st in shots against per 60 at five on five. They're 31st in expected goals. They're 30th against in expected goals against per 60. Uh, and 31st high danger chances against per 60. They were, yeah. The, if they had any worse goaltending, this is a team that probably has the best odds at uh, Owen Tower. Yeah. So how do you think that this compares um, to previous seasons? Uh, poorly. Like even, like, even the last few seasons, like, um, they finished, l- like, 2018, 2019, for example, they finished around like almost break even in shot share, but they were still not great with expected goals. So it was like 49.34 versus 45.8. And that would that put them around like 17th and 19th in the league. And then, but prior to that, under Q still, um, even though those teams weren't great, like the 2017-18 season they were still a really good shot share possession team. They were at like 52% shot share, which was fourth best in the league and their expected goals share wasn't as good. They were like 15th in the league, but that's a huge difference from being 31st. And we've been ticking down, you know, every single year last year wasn't good either. They were bottom five across the league in every shot share stat, every carry in stat, every, you know, defensive stat you can think of. And they just hit rock bottom this year. And I don't think it was all because of experience, you know, like obviously there was a lack of experience, but none of these teams have been particularly good over the last few years, but this is the first time you've like really just bottomed out. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, the Blackhawks shot share has declined every season under Jeremy Carlton, um, starting with 48.47 in 2018-19, which was 21st. Uh, that's the highest they've been. Um, they were bad. They had an uptick in quality last season, but apparently that was a blip because again, declining. Um, so, uh, yeah. here's my favorite question. Um, who do you think is to blame for the tanking this season? <laughs> Take it away. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll go first. It's Jeremy Carlton. Uh, he can't, re- there's, there's, I know there's people who are probably still defending Jeremy Carlton. There's not a feasible way that Stan Bowman could pitch to me personally, bringing back Jeremy Carlton when there are so many better coaches available on the, on the market. Um, like I understand that he's still got a year, a contract left, but uh, Rocky Wirtz has proven to be, be willing to pay the remainder of a coach's contract and go get a different young head coach. If you want to stay with a young head coach Um People like Rocky Thompson exist. Um, it's it's Colleton's system does not work, and it's been the worst defense probably the last three years. I mean, I'm surprised he's not fired yet, to be honest. But I mean, They're, it's because they want to give. Like, I think they believe in the system, which I don't really understand. Because looking at all of his teams over the years, um, even the year that he, that in the that he got his. Uh, Oh my God. What it was his Swedish team called Moro. Uh, they, Mora, they Mora. got, mm-hmm. 
they got moved up to the, they went from like the, the lower league to the top league in Sweden. Uh, that was because of goaltending. If you look at their actual shot shares, which there are people who track that in Sweden, so that exists, <sighs> they were not good. They bled shots, quality and quantity. And if you look at every season that he's done well over there, he had two of the top five goaltenders that season. That's, <laughs> show me, like, what was it that, uh, Shepard said once was like, show me a coach with a good record who might be up for the Jack Adams. I'll show you a good goaltender. He's a perfect example of that. In Rockford, Glass and Delia went on like a streak that year. And I'm not even sure they were totally playing his system completely because they were like trying to still play cues. But that's the only reason they did well. Like they still bled shots against and these are not things that can can happen in the in the NHL. And I'll even say that the one season that they they had okay-ish numbers against was the 2018-2019 season. And most of that was because it got built up under Q. If you look at the games under Quinville, uh, they were they weren't like elite or anything like that, but I think they were like 12th and 15th respectively in um shot volume and and shot quality, expected goals. Um and so, you know, that's not, that's not great, but it's not terrible. It's like where Nashville is right now and they're in the playoffs. And then they just slowly slipped as they went down the season. And that's, that's just, it's like a perfect example where you can go back and forth. Like they had the same roster almost exactly. And yet completely different results, obviously completely different sample sizes too, but there's something wrong with the way that he's, the system is, and I don't think it's player personnel because he's had he's had a ton of different personnel. But ultimately, if you're saying who who is responsible for this, there's only three options. Okay, either you think the GM, you think Stan Bowman has created a terrible roster, and that these players, even in their inexperience, cannot cycle, cannot play defense, everything like that. That's one, that's option one. The the GM is to blame Two, It doesn't matter about the personnel. The coach's system is not good. Um, it's designed not to play defense at the blue line, which it seems to be um, that kind of stuff, or it's both. <laughs> and you got to hope at least one of those is correct. And my money is more on the GM is more correct. I'm not totally sold on that, but I like the players a lot more than I like the coach. So I would much rather them swap out a coach than I would a bunch of players. And as Shepard said, there are other coaches that are, that have way more experience in young players. Quinn just got fired from um, the Rangers and he has a ton of actual experience with young players. JC has like three years in a lower Swedish league. So do you have any, uh, anybody in mind besides that, that might take his place? Should he be so lucky? I so I think there's a ton of again there's a ton of head coaches I I'd like to fight with the Rangers for Gerard Gallant personally having covered Vegas the last three years I know how good he is um Bruce Boudreau is a veteran coach that is apparently really good with players um and he's his the Blackhawks need to start playing exciting if they're not going to be good defensively and Bruce Boudreau plays really exciting hockey Hmm. um yeah I don't mind them going out after somebody that we don't know, like a name that 
or like, and by we, I mean fans who are not as aware. I'm sure there are tons of people in hockey that would know who they are, but like giving them a chance, but maybe not some random person from like, that has like three or four years of experience in a lower league in Europe, like try a little bit harder than that. Maybe not, another, maybe not another unknown. Maybe like the ESPN put out a list of like the best available head coaches and maybe somebody from that list. Hmm. I just, again, it, there's a very real possibility that Jeremy Collison's system could work with a really elite team, maybe. But the Blackhawks aren't going to be that in the next two years, you know, like like construction-wise. Like it's, it might not be possible. Um And if you're going to have young players and you're going to be working yourself back up to being that elite team, I don't want a coach that's learning on the job too. That's what it seems like is happening here because the lack of adjustments and stuff like that in game between games, it, none of that is great when you look at a head coach either. So it's not that he doesn't make adjustments. Sometimes he does. It's just that it doesn't happen regularly enough, quick enough. And I think it's, I think it was really unfair to him as a coach to be rushed to this league. He just didn't have the experience. And there are plenty of coaches that went that same route. Sullivan in um, Pittsburgh is a perfect example. He got rushed too quickly to the NHL and then it, it didn't work out for him and he came back around and now he's, you know, great. So yeah we're not trying to like shit on him as a person or maybe a potential coach in the future. It just doesn't seem like it's working now. That's not a great um, thing for a young Blackhawks team that is trying to learn in the NHL or for future success. Cause I, I don't think this particular thing is going to be successful with any. Yeah. yeah. Colleton could go coach like the Tucson Roadrunners for four years and then come back to the NHL in five and be good with like San Jose but I don't think this iteration wow. of the Blackhawks is going to work. <laughs> um, I, I am also of the opinion that like, yeah, Bowman's not as much to blame. Bowman, Bowman's bad at a few things. I don't trust his contract record. I do not trust his trade record, but he's a really good scout. He's great at finding that, at, at trusting the scouts in Euro free agents and in the draft. Like they, they've picked up great players to the draft. You can't argue that they haven't. Um, do they need more defensemen? Yes. Uh, so they need to probably draft a defenseman in the first round, even in a year where maybe it's not as great as a, a year for defenseman as we thought it was a year ago. Yeah. Do I want Owen Power more than anything? Um, so this might be a really difficult question to answer, <laughs> but let's try to be uplifting right now. Um, do you think that there's anything that's going right for the Blackhawks? And if so, um, is there someone we can credit for that? Well, I think finding the talent is a perfect example of things that are going well. I do think this is the reason I, I don't blame Bowman as much is because I like a lot of the young players. Their Euro division continues to hit. You know, we obviously Kubelik came out and showed that he wasn't a one hit wonder. Um, did he shoot as much or score as much? No, but he also wasn't playing with Jonathan Taves or a consistently good playmaker after they broke him up from Strom and then didn't let him play with Kershev quite as much. So he comes out and shows he's not a one hit wonder. They found Suter. Um, Kershev is shining, that kind of stuff. They're, they found Lincoln in, you know, like, hey, he's got these, and then, yes, exactly. And then 
looking away from Europe, they, they've been able to pick out these, these other kids like Hegel that they showed like as an overager, it took them until they were overagers to really, really shine. But sometimes that's just the way it was. Shaw was the exact same way. It took him a while to really be noticeable in a positive way and plopped them in there. And they, those are the types of players that prove themselves, even if the system isn't working as a whole, that they can work no matter what. There are good players that even if their team is bad, they're going to play well. And I think if Hegel was on a better team, he probably would have even better points percentage, you know, like, so there are lots and lots of um, good examples. Calunuk is another one, obviously um, signing him in the off season. He was great. So I think that they're doing a good job of finding young talent. They need to do a good job of finding veteran talent that can supplement them. Um, But there are positives in, how individual players played, even if as a team level, they were really bad. Yeah. And there's also guys who took a step like Alex to cat took another step. Um, Adam Boquist took a step this season. Uh, would you like to have seen that from people like Ian Mitchell and Nicholas Bodan were going to be really important in the future? Probably. Did we see that? Not necessarily. Um, still like you saw players take forward steps and that's a good thing. I, so to answer the question, credit the players for playing as well as they did in a bad situation. Yeah. yeah a lot of credit to certain play. Like, yes, exactly. Credit to the players, less credit necessarily. Cause I keep, people keep saying some things like, well, after, you know, last year, a lot of people aren't saying it this year, but doc took a step forward last year in the playoffs and Boquist took a step forward this year. And they're like, see, Colleton is developing them. And I'm like, no, they're age progressing properly. Okay, yeah. that is a natural age development curve. And I don't think it has much to do with the situation they're in so much as them as players. I mean, that that's just how it looks right. to me. And we don't really have a good sample uh, uh, with another coach or something to determine that. But Right, we don't know if they could have taken another step under a different coach, like a larger step under a different coach. Yeah, because, I mean, I can't get over that it took three-fourths of the season for Boquist to start getting 20 minutes when he was arguably better than, like, he definitely was better than Zadorov a lot of the season. And I think he was a little bit better than Keith a lot of the season, um, depending on the situation. Um, at least ramp up his offensive time even more, because um, you could have done that. Uh Boquist was one of the best at getting out, getting out of the defensive zone. So you could have thrown him out there a lot more. I would have liked to have seen him play on the penalty kill. Um, yeah. Because that's a, it's a small state. Like the penalty kill was already doing not super great. So what do you have to lose? Um, it took a really long time for Debrinket to be put on the penalty kill. And while those are good moves that eventually happened, I don't think they needed to be uh, like, it was like putting them in like a baby pool first. I don't think you needed to do that. And they should have been ramped up a little bit sooner in what is considered a development season. Most of the time we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. 
when you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. So um, I just have a couple more things to ask, but um, you've kind of touched on this a little bit, um, but, you know, and this is also a difficult question to answer, to answer, but what do you expect for the Hawks next season? Uh, it depends on how fast that coaching change is made. I <laughs> sound exasperated. <laughs> yeah. Even, even with like Jonathan Taves back and maybe like different free agents added in the off season, who knows about Dougie Hamilton? I, I like again. I think everybody on this podcast wants Dougie Hamilton to be a Blackhawk. I don't know if that's gonna happen. I don't know if Dougie Hamilton wants to come to Chicago. <laughs> um, but like, even with those additions, I don't. If if the system doesn't change, then there's only so much positive progression that can be made. And um, even with again a good five-on-five player like Taves back in the mix, um. If, if he's back in the mix, They've, there's been weird speculation, not as positive as needs to be. Um, and also the power play. Can we talk about the power play for a second? Because it was it was the thing that saved them. Um, it was actually really bad. They had the 10th best shot percentage, and they were 19th in high danger, cha- uh, high danger chances, 26th in expected goals per 60. Those aren't good numbers. They were better than they should have been. Um, there's like everything needs to take a step forward for the Blackhawks to be better. And nothing did. Um, Their penalty kill was worse, too. Yeah. <laughs> so I to answer the question, I don't expect any much better for the Blackhawks next season. Wow. I think, so they, like I said, I think they bottomed out this year. So you have to hope that there is progression naturally from just the players getting better and that – and Bowman's already talked about this, that they're hoping to get some experienced players in there that are more long-term, not just rentals that they're going to flip in there that can help stabilize. Now, obviously in the past, some of those (laughs) vets that he's brought in are people like Manning and you're like, 
that's not helpful. Um, so it really depends on who they bring in and that kind of stuff. And I'm with Shepard. I'm not sure even if you do bring in a whole team, like I don't think if you moved Colleton to like the, av- the Avs that they would be as good as they are, even though that's an incredible roster of players. So I'm, I'm not super hopeful with the current coaches. I think there's a possibility that if the um, goaltending can be more consistently good, like if they, I don't need them to be Vesna worthy, like Lincoln inwards in the first like third of the season, but if he can keep a average or to above average save percentage and their goaltending can keep that longer for the full season and not just drop out. Uh, and they can fix a couple of like offensive things. I think they could, they could outshoot their problems. I think they could outscore their issues defensively with better goaltending behind them. Um, Corey Crawford did that a couple of times, obviously. Um, I don't think Lankanen is near Crawford yet, but mm-hmm. there is a, like, like we've said in another podcast, Corey Crawford wasn't Corey Crawford at that age. So it just depends on the progression of those types of players. If he takes the same steps that Crawford did eventually, maybe it could happen. Um, of course they, they have just as much of a possibility that this was a flash in the pan season for him. He's never going to be able to repeat that early success and they're going to bomb goaltending wise and they're going to be up for the lottery next season. It's just so hard to predict goaltending. And it's, I think that that's going to be the make or break next year because I don't have a lot of um, confidence in them taking step forwards at a team level because they did worse this year. Um, I had a lot more optimism last year because I thought they started to get better. Like they started suppressing shots a little bit better at the end of last year, um, mostly through blocking, but at least it was something they were better at pass suppression towards the end of the year last year, which again, I was ready to take baby steps this year um, to build on that. I didn't need them to be a juggernaut. I didn't need them to even be mediocre. I just wanted them to take a couple of steps and they slid instead. So I don't have a huge amount of confidence in next year. I think it, I think the record could be better, but I don't know if the underlying performance will be better. And in the long term, that will be worse for the team because it'll be like a Patrick Waugh situation in the Avs where they overachieved, they kept their coach too long, and it it prevented them from being a contender sooner when they had a great roster. Um, so, uh, lack and of also the, is a good yeah. And the, the type of veterans Bowman's been bringing in recently are not the type of veterans that help out either because Janmark and Soderberg and Walmark were nothings. Um, sure. I, yeah, but they, I mean, I think very clearly they went into the season going, they wanted to play the young players and they wanted to bring in these veterans that could maybe help a little bit in guidance, but weren't going to be anything more than, hey, we want to flip them for assets. I think if yeah. they if they had truly wanted to go after players that they thought could be helpful long term, they they would have gone after completely different players, but that's not what they were doing. Um, and I'm yeah. okay with that. It's just when they were still going for it in like 2016 and 17, I didn't like many of the players that were signed in the offseason then either. Um, but those teams were com- constructed differently. So they didn't oh, really go out and get a. If it's going to be a bad season, I'm excited to go back to the United Center again. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I can't I wait. mean, <laughs> honestly, if I was in Chicago, it wouldn't matter if the team was bad. I would just yeah. be excited to go see them. Yeah. Um, I, and as a person who watched the Thrashers a lot <laughs> and went to see the Thrashers a lot, I don't, as long as you're having fun at the games and there's a couple of players that are doing well, you can, you can enjoy totally. anything. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the Thrashers were good though. They had Kovalchuk and Hosa, and like that was one of the best lines in hockey when they were together. Yes, but as a whole, the Thrashers yeah. were not. I think went to the playoffs what once, um, twice. I, I think know. twice, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, it was super fun to watch that one line. The same way it's super fun to watch um, Kane and Panarin. Kane and Debrinka. Yeah, Debrinka. Yeah. yeah, and Debrinka exactly. So you were like, "Ooh, this is." Ooh, wow. Ooh. Um, it's kind of like in our playoffs uh, preview, you were like, I think you said something like, who isn't excited to watch Connor McDavid? And I was like, yeah. she, you know, shrug emoji. I was like, I, oh it's exciting God. to watch the best hockey player play hockey, but I really like watching good teams play together. And I don't think the Oilers are great as a team. Hey, careful careful, you about the careful where you tread. Yeah, careful where you tread. Yes, that's my because I have a surprise bonus question for you both. Okay, here. <laughs> let's do it. Bonus like, speaking round. of the playoffs, I am still incredibly excited for the playoffs because you know, being a Canadian hockey fan, uh, both my Oilers and the Leafs are still in the playoffs. <laughs> so I want some predictions from you, and then I'm going to give my predictions, which I clearly have blinders on. It's hard not to, but. What do you think? How are the playoffs going to go? <laughs> who's going to win the cup? I'll let LVR take this one first. <laughs> okay, so if you're going by like who's actually the best statistical team in the league, Colorado should win. They are ridiculous this year, this year statistically, but I think some of that had to do with them beating up on some lower teams in their division. But I think it's going to be hard to predict this year because – a lot of these, like, but at a certain point, a lot of these teams haven't played each other. And so it'll be weird when they get to each other. And yeah, I mean, like, the Northern Division has been playing such great hockey, but when they're going to be against uh, the other divisions, I don't know what that's going to look like, you know? Well, I already say, I was surprised that Boston lost to the Caps. It's not like the Caps are a bad team, but I thought Boston was going to at least come out and win game one, especially after the goalie debacle. Um, and I was hopeful for that because fuck Tom Wilson. Um, but... Colorado is the team that I would like to come out of the West. I think they're a great team. I would not be surprised if it was Vegas at all, though. I think it's like it could be either one of them. I would prefer Carolina, but I just don't know. They're very, very good. But I just don't know if they have like they're tough enough yet. And the Lightning, I'm hoping there will be like a curse on them. <laughs> like me too <laughs> um and then the the east and the north are, are so much harder to predict i think all of those teams are like the north it's going to be the leafs um i think that'll come out but i'm still hoping carry price will like suddenly refine his like good Ooh. luck whatever because <laughs> i just want i want chaos up there okay like, oh me leafs, too <laughs> the leafs going out would be beautiful um especially in the first round. Oh and my God. I can't predict the East at all. Like, I don't know who's going to come out of that. Pittsburgh could come out. I could, I could say all of them would, could come out and I would not be surprised. So that's my wishy-washy answer. Okay. Shepard, what do you think? Look, I'm not going to not take the winner of Colorado Vegas to win the cup. Um, 
because that's it's those are two of the best teams in the league, probably the two best teams in the league, um, at least like metrically. Yeah. Um, and I am again, I'm not going to act like I'm not a Vegas fan um, <laughs> at this point in time. Uh, <laughs> at the same time, like the Leafs are are favored to win it. I that's the Leafs are entirely dependent on how how well probably Jack Campbell plays in the playoffs um because that's probably going to be their goaltender um because they're i also don't trust their defense their defense improved a lot this season but how mm. much of that was ottawa and vancouver and calgary and sure. to a lesser extent montreal or winnipeg um i'm not going to say edmonton because that i like edmonton's offense is still when you when you get 105 points in 56 games your offense is Ridiculous. Like you have two of the best five, probably offensive players in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, the East is, is a coin flip. I think I'm, I'm taking Boston because they're just built better. Um, especially with Taylor Hall and that second wing on that second line. Now North, I'm, I'm going to take the Leafs, uh, West I'm taking Vegas and central. Carol. Again, I think Carolina is, Carolina is the best team in the league. Like they're built that way. They have the best coaching. Probably there, there, there's nothing you don't trust. I think in their lineup, um, even their like bottom six is w- w- wildly underrated. Yes. I love Carolina. I hope Carolina makes it. They're the team I'm rooting for. I'm cheering against a lot of teams. So that means it'll make it sound like I'm rooting for the other teams. That's not true. I just yeah. want those, I just want certain teams to not make it. So, like, I don't care about Montreal, but I want chaos to happen in the North, right? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be uh, it's going to be some beautiful hockey of the Habs and the Leafs together. Uh, I'm pretty sure the Leafs are going to come out of that. Oh, I think um, so too. <laughs> and uh, and the Oilers, Jets. I'm pretty sure the Oilers are going to come out of that too. I would say maybe like yeah. Game Six. They should. Um, and then it's so the be- the thing with Edmonton Jets is. Uh, Ken Connor, Helia Bucks, backstop of championship team because it's only him on that team. Yeah, yeah the Jets exactly. are terrible as like an actual team. Yeah. They're not a good team. And Edmonton is better than them, even though they're like a mediocre they team. They am, but they falter so often when it comes down to, th- to things, you know? Yeah, and, 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 um, and Edmonton depends on Mike Smith too much, I think. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's going to be Oilers, uh, Leafs for sure. And I think the Leafs are going to come out of that. Um, and, uh, I, you know, like I said, I have blinders on, I'm just going to say the Leafs are going to win the cup because the Canadian team has not had the cup for, it's like what, 26, 27 years now. So this is our year. <laughs> <laughs> if there was any year that it could happen, it's going to be this, this year. That's one. This is the best one. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> and then it turns out that it's a Boston Toronto finale. Cause anybody can face anybody in the, in the finals this year. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Which would hurt. Toronto fans more being knocked out in the first round against Carey Price, who's you know been bad for a little while, being knocked or, out by the Habs for or, sure. No, or making it all the way to the finals and losing to Boston. Again. No, I I have to say it's the it's the Habs. Okay, because totally. I don't know about in in Canada land. You know, oh, like <laughs> what the well, I invite you to come to Toronto with me sometime, and uh, we'll watch. Yeah. The- <laughs> yeah, I, I think if the, if the Leafs lose first round, some people are getting fired. If they lose in the finals, nobody's nobody nobody's getting okay. fired. They just have yeah. to make some changes. I don't um, know which would be funnier. The only problem with that scenario then is that Boston wins, which I don't really want um, either. <laughs> They're not as bad. I mean, anytime 
Bergeron, McAvoy, and Pasta can win. I'm like, that's okay. I don't care about anybody else on that team, though. Well, all good was, things uh, to McAvoy only. That was tons, tons of fun. Thank <clears> you so much for that conversation. Loved it. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Let's go Leafs. I mean, let's go Hawks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. <laughs>